This is a podcast by One Life Christian Church in Baldwin, New York. We pray that the following podcast would encourage you, build you up in the gospel, and lead you closer to Jesus. We remind you that these are simply tools to help you in your walk and ask that you still look for a local church to attend and serve in. Welcome to the living room. So the title of my sermon is called, Who Sent You? So we're going to do a little bit of a history lesson. So I'm going to summarize. I'm going to be preaching from Exodus chapter 3. It's a lot to unpack. I'm going to be summarizing chapters 1 and 2. So back in the 13th century, between the years of 1279 and 1213 BC, there was a king of Egypt named Pharaoh, right? So he ruled over Egypt. And in Egypt were the Hebrews. So in the Bible, we use a lot of different, there's a lot of literature in the Bible, right? But in this, ter- in this for what we're talking about now, Hebrew, Israelite, and Jew all mean the same thing. You got it? Okay, cool. So he sees that there are a lot of Hebrews in the land and they're prospering, meaning they're just like, their population is expanding. So Pharaoh says that this is a threat. He then sees that this is becoming something that needs to be dealt with, and he says there needs to be a decree that goes out to kill all the male babies. Why does he want to kill all the male babies? Because he thinks that when they grow up into warriors, if there's a war that breaks out, these Hebrews will side with the enemies and then overthrow him, and Pharaoh doesn't want that. This Pharaoh's name is also King Ramses II, as scholars believe it to be. So then he says, put the, he puts out a decree, kill all the two-year-olds um, from babies two years old and down. So there are Hebrew midwives, so we all know what midwives are. There are Hebrew midwives that are supposed to kill these Hebrew babies. But they fear the Lord more than they fear Pharaoh. So what do they do? They don't do any of that. What they do is they let the boys live. Pharaoh, wanting to make sure that there's no more boys that grow up into warriors and to also end the bloodline, says, fine, if you haven't killed them, what you need to do is take these boys and throw them into the Nile River. He really wants them to be gone. He does not want to lose his power. So the Bible says, this is like, this is all what happened in the Bible. It's really good. So the Bible says that there was a baby that was born that was exceptionally beautiful. And there was a Hebrew, there's a Levite man and a Levite woman, and they have this baby. They hide the baby for three months until he's old enough to where they can't hide him anymore. They then create a basket, tar so that it can't sing, sends it down the Nile River, Right? So then along the, the reeds, reeds are like bushes along the riverside, in the reeds there is a princess who finds this basket. Now who's the king? King Ramses II. So the princess is his daughter. His daughter then finds this baby, eventually later on adopts him and names him Moses, which means to draw out. Names are very significant in the Bible. So she then raises this Hebrew boy, as an Egyptian. So although there is slavery, he's kept safe from it because he's in Egypt in the palace. Now this boy eventually grows up. At the age of 40 years old, he's still wondering what's going on with his people. So he then goes out to the field where they're being kept, and then he sees that there's an Egyptian that's uh, he's an Egyptian slave master, right? And he's just ridiculously abusing one of the Hebrews. So Moses Make sure that nobody's looking. He kills the Egyptian, hides the body in the sand, and then leaves. Next day, he comes back. 
He comes back, and this, where, where's Moses? Moses? Moses is what? A Hebrew. So he comes back and sees two Hebrew brothers fighting. So Moses now says, well, why are you fighting your brother? The Hebrews say, well, who made you judge? What are you going to do? Kill us like you killed that Egyptian? So now Moses is shaky. Moses has no idea what to do, so he panics and he leaves because Moses is ultimately a Hebrew. And if Pharaoh's to find out that he killed an Egyptian to save a Hebrew, he'll be either dead or in jail. He flees to Midian. So now this is the part that we all know. I've kind of summarized it, right? So now we're in chapter 3. So Moses is now 80 years old when God speaks to him from the burning bush, and Moses replies this. Let's all turn to Exodus chapter 3, verses 9 to 14. Growing up in church, they used to say, when you have it, say amen. Amen? amen? I right, praise the Lord. Okay. So Exodus chapter 3, verses 9 through 14. God says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have now seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must leave my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and I tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're, they're going to ask me, What's his name? Then what should I tell them? God replies to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Thus endeth the reading. Two things I love about this text. Number one, God is aware of his children's problems. Two, your obedience may be key to someone's deliverance, but on the flip side, your disobedience may delay their blessing. Where would we be if Moses didn't obey? But look at where you are because he did. There's a weight to God's instruction in his words. Amen? Okay. So here's the crazy part. The traits of Moses, the care, empathy, and passion that led to murder are the same ones that aided him in freeing his people. The only difference was this time God was with him. The traits that God had given him were necessary for his assignment. The issue was he had all these traits, but he didn't have God. So it led to a disaster. Without God, there was a confusion in his identity, right? So Moses, this baby who was born a Hebrew, at his core was a Hebrew, was then labeled as an Egyptian by the world. The world took what God had labeled and labeled it something else, so there was confusion in the trajectory of what it was supposed to be. That's a lot of us today. So a lot of us today have been made in God's image, but because the world is what we've been listening to more of, we've been confused now, and we can't operate what we're supposed to do. Why is this? Because when you're confused, you have no direction. When you have no direction, you're susceptible to the enemy. When you're in the world, right? When you're in the world, you're unprotected. You're going to listen to what you're around the most, which is probably the enemy because you're not, your ear is not inclined to the word of God. So you're led by your emotions. So, but the thing is, at his core, Moses would always be what God created. He was a Hebrew, which is why there is a DNA that's built into him that there, even though there are things that are happening that he's not 
presently a part of, there's a part of him that's always connected to it. So Moses probably felt like, am I a Hebrew? Am I an Egyptian? Do I stay here? Do I go there? He was led by his emotions. He was uncertain in his actions. He was unassigned. But when God sent him, he was assigned. And when you're certain of the assignment, you have peace because you know who sent you. I'm going to tell you a secret. You ready? Okay. Do you want to know if you're walking in God's will? Check for peace. Your level of peace is an indicator of your proximity to God. Peace is so important, it's one of the last things that Jesus gives his disciples. John chapter 4, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The reason why Christians have peace is because we know who went before us, who died for our sins, who already has the victory. God sent Jesus Christ to this world to die a death that we should have died on our behalf so that we would have, a, we would have the opportunity to be able to get to heaven. When we look at, I want to paint a picture. There can be two people. One is a Christian, one is not a Christian. Going through the same identical situation. You know the only difference between them? The Christian should have peace. Why do you have peace? Because even in the middle of a storm, you know that the, 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 the battle has already been won. The victory is already there. When we look at the disciples, in the middle of a storm, where was Jesus? Asleep. In the middle of the storm, the disciples, even though they were actually close to Jesus, and that's a mirror image to a lot of us, you can be in the vicinity of where the Lord's supposed to be or is, but your heart posture can be trusting in everything else. So that means that you could be in the house of the Lord, but you can still have worry. The reason why you have worry is because you've not submitted your, your issues to the Lord. We don't have peace because we're not trusting that the Lord who already died for your sins already went before you, so the victory is yours. So that is why the disciples, even though they were literally with the person who they've seen thousands of times do miracles and stop storms, that is why they were still worrying, because they didn't have a trust in the Lord, so they did not have peace. God's will for your life is more than you completing the assignment. It's also your heart posture in the assignment. So God instructed Moses to do what? He said to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. God's instructions never included a command of violence. God simply wanted him to give the instructions. But since we're on God's instructions, it's important that we represent him well. So when we serve, we do it in kindness. When we lead, we do so with patience. When we give, we do so joyfully. Why? Because when God sends us, we're his ambassadors. Anybody here work a job? Anybody? Okay, praise the Lord. All right? Has your boss ever sent you to go tell one of your coworkers to do something? Yes, right, all the time, right? When your boss sends you to go speak to your coworker, how are you, how's your posture? It's different, right? Like the boss has sent me, so I know I have authority. It's not me saying this. There's a weight to the person who said it. So because that person's called me to do it, the way that I now have to act has to be different. Why? Because the authority that that person has given to me is clear to those around me. And if I'm representing a king, I can't go before you like a peasant. 
That was the Holy Spirit. Not gonna lie, that was the Holy Spirit. That was good though. That was good though. That was good though. Holy Spirit, right? This is why before we're in Christ, and then when you come to Christ, there's a clear difference, right? When you haven't died to yourself and you're connected to the world, you're unassigned. There's no structure. You have no power. But when you're connected to the one who has power over all things, there's a difference. You walk with a level of confidence, right, because I already know the battle is won. If I, anybody got like a, like a big brother or like a big cousin that really knows how to fight? Like, like when I put that cousin, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to lose. So I act different, right? It's the same thing. Jesus is the same exact way. When God calls you in authority, you already won. You don't even have to think about it. Because when God sends us, we're his ambassadors. Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7 says, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is how we can experience peace in every circumstance. This is how you can change your heart posture. So, like, I'm a kind of learner where, like, even if you tell me, you know, words, I need steps. Like, I need actual. Anybody else, like, you need actual steps of, like, bullet points? Okay. This is why the Bible is good. You should read it. Like, cancel your Netflix, read your Bible. Amen? Okay, Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 says, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So the people that said that, that you have that job, when you go to that job, whether you can stand it or you can't stand your job, go the extra mile. Anybody here work retail? Anybody? Retail? Okay, fine. If you did work retail, you'd probably have to stock shelves. After you stock the shelves, wipe them too. Anybody here have to go, go to meetings at work? Before you go to that meeting, get to that meeting early, place waters at all the tables. Any teachers in the house? Okay. Before you go to school tomorrow, before class starts tomorrow, write biblical notes of affirmation and put it on every student's desk. Why? Because you want to do this as if you were doing it for Jesus himself. It's going to give you peace knowing that the Lord is pleased. And knowing the Lord is pleased is what gives you strength to go another day. Because the peace is necessary for you to carry out God's assignment. The only, one of the reasons why Moses was able to do the assignment was because every time he got rejected, where did he go? He went back to the person who sent him. Because if God sent me and he made a promise to me, he has to fulfill it. So if I'm feeling worried that the result didn't happen the way it was supposed to happen, I need to speak to the person who sent me. A lot of the times we run to people who didn't send you. You're running to a person who didn't send you, so if somebody did not send you, they're going to give you wrong directions. And when you keep walking in wrong directions, that's what's called a pattern. So sometimes we go through life in a pattern, and we're figuring out why, we're trying to figure out why there's so much confusion, because you're not going to the one who sent you. We might have to really do like a, an internal audit of our relationships, because a lot of those relationships, God didn't send you. 
you can't just do stuff. Like, you, you can't, a lot of times we do stuff in life without a word from God and then try to expect God to come and fix it. Like, it's not how God works. God was responsible for making sure that his word came true because he told Moses to go do it. Now, when Moses went by himself, he was labeled a murderer. Why? Because God didn't send him. But the thing I love about God is when we think about Moses, we don't think about the label murderer. We think about the person that did the thing that he was purposed to do. We think about Moses who drew the children of Israel out of Egypt. So when God sends you, your labels can be washed away. People at one point for 40 years, it says that Moses was on the run for 40 years. They thought he was a murderer. For eternity, we look at him as the person who was God's ambassador. I'm trying to help you to change the trajectory of your life. Amen. You don't have to do a lot to have your life change. You just have to say yes. The peace is necessary for you to carry out God's assignment. And although there were troubles, Moses had peace. Though there was contention, Moses had peace. Although Moses didn't feel like it, he had peace in knowing that God made a promise and would not break it. One of the points that I love about Exodus chapter 3 is that immediately when God told Moses to go forth, he didn't feel like doing it. That tells me that there are other people who don't feel like doing it. But that also tells you that it doesn't matter if I don't feel like doing it. There's grace for that. It also tells you that God doesn't care as much about your feelings as he does his words being fulfilled. Hold on. God cares about your feelings. They're God-given. But when your feelings get in the way of obedience, that's an obstacle, and God's not paying attention to that. Amen? God tells you, go pray for that person at your job. But God, it's going to be weird. But I, don't, I didn't ask you whether or not it would be weird. I asked you if you were going to obey me. <laughs> Actually, no. He didn't ask you. He gave you a command. Because God is a father. It's not an asking business. Like, like that's it. Yes and amen. Well, we don't want to hear that. The Lord told him, I will be with you. And Moses remembered. I think a lot of Moses' confidence came from the fact that he remembered that God said, I'm going to be with you. A lot of us have spiritual amnesia. A lot of us forgot that God already wrote down all of his promises in a book. A lot of us forget to read that book. A lot of us have the book in close proximity, but we don't actually study it. That's why you don't have peace. And finally, say yes quickly. So you're never going to out-bargain or win arguing with God. Yes and amen should be your response. Moses spent so much time making excuses when the result would have been the same anyway. But God had an answer for each one. So Moses was kind of like me, right? Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? He says, fine. Okay, like, what's in your hand? I'm summarizing. This is what really happened, though. He says, what's in your hand? 
A staff. Okay, throw it on the ground. What is it? It's, it turns into a snake. He says, grab it by the tail. Like, that should have been enough. That, <laughs> like, like, I don't, like, that never happened. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a thing that just happens commonly. But it still wasn't enough. Moses was just like me. I was like, okay, cool. Like, staff thing is cool, right? But what if they still don't believe me? Okay, fine. God says, take your hand, put it into your cloak. He puts his hand into his cloak, pulls his hand out. His hand is now white. Now, the reason why that's significant is because when he pulled his hand out, he had leprosy. Leprosy back in those days was kind of like COVID in March 2020. Like, if you had COVID in March 2020, you, it was almost a sentence. Like you didn't, there wasn't like a vaccine and all this kind of things. So it was like death in front of him, and it meant he was going to have to be ostracized. God says, okay, put it back. He did a healing. He healed the impossible. Still wasn't enough. That sound familiar? Y'all have to answer. It's cool. So he says, fine, but what if that doesn't work? Okay. Go ahead. You're going to be in the, when you're, when you, uh, there's going to be a jar with water. Pour it onto the ground. It's going to turn into blood. So this whole banter goes back and forth until eventually he goes ahead and he does it. All these excuses were just delayed obedience. And delayed obedience is disobedience. I'm going to tell a little bit of my business. So Jamila and I, this week, she asked me to do something. I think it was on Monday. Y'all pray for your boy. I still haven't done it, right? <laughs> but I'm going to do it, though. I'm going to do it. But guess what? When I do the command that I was given on my own time, I haven't fulfilled it when it was given, so it's disobedience. It would be pretty... Um, it would, be, it would be a bad look for me to, to do the task late, but then expect that I get all, like, the benefits because I did it. You, no. You don't, you don't answer God on your own time and then still want the benefits. You didn't have to wake up this morning. But he woke you up. That's called grace, right? There's a debt that you can't pay. Like, I don't know if anybody's in debt. But, like, when there's debt and interest is going up and you know you can't pay the minimum and the interest is still there, there comes a point where you know you cannot pay. That's called bankruptcy. You know that you cannot pay, right? Now, if there was a person that came along and said, I'm going to take care of the debt for you, there's nothing that you could do to pay them back because you couldn't even pay back the principal plus the interest. Guess what? There was a person who paid it all. His name was Jesus Christ. That debt that was on that cross, that you cannot pay back, could not pay back, will never pay back, he died so that you would have a debt-free bank account, right? God has an assignment for you. But how do you know if it's from God? When God sends you, you're equipped. He equips you with the Holy Spirit, his word, and prayer. When God sends you on an assignment, there's, when God sends you on an assignment, there's three types of evidence. His word, equipment, results. You don't believe me? Ask Abraham. Abraham had a command. It's a word from God. Abraham had, the equipment was his faith. The result was his descendants. Moses got a command, word from God, a promise. Also, it didn't hurt to have the staff. That was pretty cool, too. The result 
Moses and the children of Israel walked out of Egypt just like God said they would. Here's the reason why obedience is so important. It was God's plan to free the Egyptians back in Genesis 15, verses 13 through 16. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end, they will come, come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites did not yet warrant their destruction. Moses' Moses's obedience was key to a prophecy that was set up years before he was born. This is why obedience is so important. All God needed from Moses was obedience. The assignment was bigger than him, and yours is bigger than you. I don't know what your yes is for, but I know God deserves it. You want a perfect example of a consistent yes and amen? Jesus Christ. No excuses. Yes and amen. Go down the cross. Even though Jesus didn't want to. Lord, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Yes and amen. All we have to do is walk in the steps that he's already shown us. Yes and amen. What are you passionate about? It's probably linked to your assignment. Pray for direction. And when that assignment is revealed to you, do it as if you were doing it for the Lord. How can you tell if you're doing it for the Lord? Search for peace. I think sometimes as Christians, we're always looking for like another word from God, right? Like, God, like, what's the next thing I'm supposed to do? Like, we always want to figure out the next thing. If you believe in God, everyone here has an assignment. Make disciples. Great commission. Here's a question. Have you done the assignment? That's a question you'll have to answer. So, but how can you tell if you're doing this assignment for the Lord? Is there peace? Remember, if not, remember that God sent you. And how you act while doing your yes is just as important as your yes. Don't make excuses. Answer yes to the Lord quickly because your obedience is key to your deliverance. So it's your disobedience delays your blessing. Be blessed. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. One Life Christian Church is located in Baldwin, New York. To find out more about the church, visit us at www.onelifeli.com.